So today um, I'm going to be preaching from both the book of Luke and the book of Matthew. Um, And I'm going to read for you um, first from the book of Luke and then we'll go to the book of Matthew. But if you have your Bibles, we're going to jump right in. You can go to Luke chapter 11 and I'm going to read verses 1 to 4 and then we'll skip down and read verses 9 to uh, 13. And then we're going to go over to Matthew chapter uh, 6 and read um, verses 5 to 14. That's not true. Verses 5 to 13. All right. So I invite you to stand as you are able in body or in spirit for the reading of God's word. So beginning with our Luke passage, it reads, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be thy name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. And now going down to verse 9. So I say to you, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil... Know how to give good gifts to your children? How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to all who ask him? And now we'll go to Matthew chapter 6, beginning with verse 5. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogue and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This is the word of God. Amen. You can have a seat. So the title of my message today is Teach Us How to Pray. So about almost a year ago, I guess it was in the summer of last year, um, this prayer, and especially as it's recounted in the passage in Luke, um, hit me in a way that it hadn't before. So this is very, if you've been, I mean, even if you 
<laughs> haven't been in church for a long time. Like this, these words in this country are familiar words to many of us, right? So much so that even as I was trying to read to you all from here, I was still saying thy kingdom come because I learned it in the, the King James Version. That's not what my Bible said, but that's just, that's what comes to my mind, right? It's, it's familiar. And so it's not a, a text that I often give much thought to. Um, but last summer, there was so much, I mean, there's been so much going on, right, for, for several years now. But there was a lot going on. And on a regular basis, um, people were asking for me to pray for them. So there was a lot going on in the world. And I was like, trying to figure out how to pray for that. And people are asking for prayer. Um, and on Sunday mornings, often I lead the pastoral prayer and there were so many days when like, it would have been something terrible that happened that week. And so I come and I'm thinking, it's like, what? I don't, I don't want, I don't want to pray these words anymore. I don't want to ask for healing and comfort for people who have experienced God. But like it, it had gotten to a point where I'm like, ah, and so the disciples request to Jesus, Lord, teach us how to pray. It hit me different. In the past, I have read that, and because I think of the disciples in a way I think about the disciples, at least the disciples before Jesus' death and resurrection, um, I kind of saw that as them once again kind of, you know, like, we want to be good, show us, you know, like clout chasing sort of, we want to be able to do it like they did it, teach us, teach us, you know, I don't know, I'm sure that's not... I'm sure that's not how they sounded ever, but like that's how I've always heard that question, right? Just like, once again, here they are trying to figure out how they can one up somebody else. Right. Um, but that summer it, it hit in a completely different way. Like, nah, no, Jesus (laughs) teach us how to pray. So much is happening in the world. And I know that you have called us to pray. I can imagine for them, like, we see you go off and do this thing on a regular basis. On this side of glory, we read the text and you seem to say that this is something you want us to do. And I no longer have the words. Teach us to pray. And hearing that question in a different way made me see this prayer in a different way. And so this morning, I want to talk about that. So in both of these accounts, you get slightly different um, versions of the prayer, right? And slightly different circumstances for how the prayer happens. In the, in the text in Matthew, um, that prayer is sort of wrapped up in what our Bibles title the Sermon on the Mount. That is not quite an accurate title, but that's what our Bibles name it. Jesus did not go up to the Mount and say, I am now about to present to you a sermon from here. So that's not what happened, but that's where it's found. It's where Jesus goes off and he gives this teaching on many, many things, fasting and prayers, so many things that he talks about. So that's where it happens there. He's giving the disciples, um, not just the 12, but many, all of the folk who had come and gathered, he's giving them instructions on, on how to live. And so he talks about that there. And then in the Luke passage, we see a more intimate kind of a setting, right? Jesus is one of those times where he's gone away to pray. And so those disciples who were closest to him are are nearby. And they say, after they've watched him pray, teach us um, how to pray. But when we look at these texts together, both of these stories together, I think that we can see something really important about what prayer is, what we've been invited to, right? What Jesus is trying to say to us through these words, so there's several points that I'm going to make throughout this, uh, this sermon, several things that I think um, these two 
accounts of this prayer point us to? So the first thing is that prayer is not a formula. And it's an interesting first point, given that this feels very much like a formula, right? Like, like someone says, teach us how to pray. And then in both accounts, Jesus says, and when you pray, do it this way. And I think that that, that prayer honoring that in a minute will take communion. And, and that's a part of our liturgy. It becomes a really important thing. But the Lord's prayer or the prayer that the Lord gave his disciples, it in and of itself is not, um, and hear me well, it's, there's nothing special or unique about those words. We see this very clearly in the way that it's presented in the book of Matthew. If you get, if you got it twisted, but when you got to Luke, Matthew sets it up for us because Jesus, right before he teaches the disciples to pray these words, he literally says, don't be like the pagans who go around babbling and they just think they need to say things over and over and over again, right? Like, don't be like that. Prayer isn't supposed to be for a show. Prayer isn't supposed to be this thing where you just, okay, I'm going to say these words. It's not an incantation, if you will, right? Like we're not, we're not casting spells when we say a prayer. So the, it is very clear from the way that Matthew sets this up, that these words in and of themselves are not special. God is not saying this is the way your prayer ought to look. If you've been in, in, in the church for a while, especially if you went to church as a kid, you probably learned um, the Lord's Prayer. And they they teach it like, um, it's, what is it? It's adoration. I, I don't, I didn't, I wasn't a kid that grew up in the church, but, <laughs> but I knew, I know when my children were in a Christian school, there was this whole way that they were taught how to pray based on the Lord's Prayer. Like you start off giving glory to God and thanks to God. And then you go to some, there's a step to, I don't know. I, I probably could have figured that out before I, as I was preparing. I did not. But anyway, the point is that we have recognized, we take these words and we try to make them something right. That they're, that they weren't meant to be. What then is the point? If it's not meant that we have to pray it just like this, what is Jesus inviting us to? I think the first thing that we see is that this prayer reminds us that the sovereign God, creator of heaven and earth, cares about the things that we care about. That God cares about our desires. So the first three lines of this prayer call focus to the bigness of God, our father in heaven, hallowed be thy name to hollow one's name is to make it holy, to give it glory, to say it is set aside. Your, your name is awesome, right? Your name deserves glory and reverence, right? So our father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, right? Your kingdom come. It's this focus on God and God's bigness and God's glory and God's just unfathomable goodness. And then it shifts the second, the the next three parts of the prayer go into asking, petitioning, asking God for stuff. It's not a formula, but it points us to something powerful that that big God, that God whose name, just the name of God should be reverenced. The name of God is holy. That God says, I want to hear what you want. I want to hear what you care about. I want to hear what's on your mind. This prayer points us to the fact that the creator of heaven and earth 
cares about us. <laughs> I, like, that's a big deal. <laughs> that's a big, de- that is a reason why people, I, I don't know what this says about me, but a lot of the, the, the people that I follow on YouTube, often they are not, um, they're not Christian. And many times they're atheist. And I, I, I know why it says this. I tend to watch a lot of liberal leaning politics, right? And unfortunately, <laughs> a lot of liberal leaning people, you know, at least the ones who get popular on YouTube, they don't, they don't know, they don't know the Lord and they don't believe that the Lord is real and they don't believe in God. And one of the things that they will always laugh at in their videos and usually where I'm like, yep, and this is why I can't watch you too long is that they, oh yeah, you think that your sky God is a, is a, is a popular thing. You think your sky God cares about these little things that you care about. And it, it is ridiculous, but yes, <laughs> that is the good news. That's the amazing part of this whole thing that God actually does care about those, these little trivial things that I pray about and these big things that I pray about and these in-between things that I care at, right? The stuff that I might not even dare open in my mouth and share with my friend that God actually does care about that. Our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. That God cares about us. That God cares about us. The other thing that this prayer, the structure of this prayer reminds us of is that we have been called into relationship. That we have been called into a relationship with the creator of heaven and earth that is more like a familial relationship than it is the kind of relationship one might have with a ruler. That the king of heaven invites us to call him father. So the the word in this passage, and it's in both of the prayers, both in Matthew and in Luke, the word that they use there is Abba. It's an Aramaic term. Now, scholars debate about whether or not that term meant um, like daddy or if it was not quite like daddy. But what they agree on is that that term, it denotes a close relationship. It denotes a relationship with a, a loving, caring, nurturing father. And that's important because there are other words for father. There were um, other prayers that at this time that would have sounded kind of like this in terms of form and structure. And the Jewish people, when they call God father, it was more in the the terms of heavenly father, like this other sort of set apart formal name of, of a way of giving glory and reverence and honor. But Jesus here says, when you pray, when you pray, you say, Abba, Abba. Daddy, I know some scholars don't agree with that, but some do. And so I still say, daddy, (laughs) you say, Abba, the one who called Jesus father like that was Jesus. And he says to them, you are now invited into that kind of relationship with the creator of heaven and earth. That when you come to that God with the things that concern you, you get to call him Abba, not Slave master, not king who you just hope will be a benevolent king, right? No, you get to call him Abba. 
It reminds us that we have been invited into a relationship, a loving, caring, nurturing relationship with the creator of heaven and earth. And it reminds us of the kind of relationship we have been called into with each other. Jesus called God Abba. You and I are invited to stand with our brother Jesus and cry out to our Abba. And you and I together, who have been made one, who have been made blood brothers and sisters under the blood of Jesus Christ, have been invited to stand with each other next to our brother Jesus and cry out, Abba. That is good news. (laughs) That is good news. And so what we see here in this prayer is first and foremost, it is talking to us about the posture of prayer. We don't come to God as beggars. We don't come to the throne just, oh, so thankful just to even be able. Nah, God says, you get to stand up and call me Abba. And I care about what you care about. And I want to hear you talk to me about it often. That's what I love about the Luke passage. So in that text that we read, uh, I, I skipped the chunk where he goes into this parable and I skipped it just because it can sound confusing when you read it. So I'm just going to explain it. So right after he tells them to pray, he goes into this story about the, a neighbor who goes and knocks on uh, somebody's door, like at the middle of the night, right? Cause they need, they don't need this, but like some butter. That's, that's the analogy. They need something. There's a guest who's shown up at the house and they realize, oh my gosh, I don't have what I needed to make sure I'm hosp- I can be hospitable to this person. So they go next door and they knock on the door and the neighbor is like, wait, what? it's late. What are you, what are you doing? Why are you here? But they get the butter. Right. And so the, the Jesus uses this sort of story to go into this next part. So I say like, look, knock and the door will be open. Right? He said, if y'all know how to do, if you all know how to act like this, how much more do you think your heavenly father knows how to act? Right? Knock. Come often. Come frequently. Knock and the door will be open. Seek and you will find. Because if you know how to give a good gift, trust me, <laughs> you cannot outdo me, baby. No. If you know how to give a good gift, I assure you, I know how to give a good gift. And this is not witchcraft. We're not going to God and trying to twist God's arm and try to make God do what we want God to do. God is saying, no, no, no. I just, I want you to come. Keep coming. Keep coming. Keep talking to me. Keep talking to me. Because as you talk to me, you'll hear me talking back to you. As you keep sharing with me what's on your heart, you're inviting me to start to transform your heart. I will give you that good gift. And the good gift is more and more and more and more of me. You keep on coming, keep coming, be honest, come boldly, come, come, come. Oh, I love to hear you when you come. I love to hear you speak to me because I've called you into a relationship. I've called you into a relationship. You don't have to beg. You don't have to keep saying the same thing, the same words, thinking that those words are somehow special and unique. You can just come to me and talk to me because I want to hear what concerns you. And you can trust that when you talk to me, (laughs) I'm going to talk back. (laughs) You can trust that when you ask me what you think you need. You're going to ask for what you think you need. And sometimes what you think you need is exactly.
exactly what you need. And sometimes, bless your precious heart, it's not. But I'm going to give you exactly what you need. (laughs) Because you are my child. And so this prayer reminds us of the ways that we are connected to God. That the creator of heaven and earth cares about us. That that same God has invited us into a relationship that is loving and nurturing and kind. And that that same God has put us in right relationship with each other as well. So we can pray for each other. We can talk to God about our brothers and our sisters. And in fact, God wants us to do that. And then the last thing that this prayer reminds us of is that we are every day at all times in need of a savior. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The other thing that points us to that, that we need a savior. So you notice, and it's fun to, um, to pray this prayer in spaces, um, that like, if it's not your church, you don't know if people say sins or debts, how many, it's like sins, debts, trespasses, and you never know. And it's always this little moment where there's like a, and forgive us of our debts as we forgive them, right? Because we, we don't, we don't always quite know. So, so Luke and Matthew, they say two different words. Matthew says, forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. And, and Luke says, forgive us of our debts uh, as we forgive though our debtors, right? That's not, that's the King James version. I don't remember. Remember what the, but you understand what the text says. As we forgive those we are in, indebted to. Pretty sure that's not what the NIV says either. Both of those phrases are saying about the same thing, right? So at the time, the people who would have heard that, um, it's, it's, you know, six in one hand, half a dozen in the other. But here's the powerful thing about using the word debt. It's still communicating the same idea that we are sinners and that we are regularly in need of forgiveness, right? But that word debt, the way that Luke decides to recount it, that reminds us that our sin left us in debt to God, that there was a debt that we could not repay and that it has been paid through Jesus Christ. So just that little, it's it's a slight, in in, in the way people would have heard it at the time, it would have been a slight little nuance, but that nuance matters. (laughs) Because it reminds us that on this side of the cross, we are still living in a broken world. That yes, we are individually sinners, but we live in a world that is absolutely impacted by our sinfulness. And we regularly need a savior. We need God with us. We need to be connected to Emmanuel. There should not be a moment in our lives where we forget it because we we need our God. We need our God. And that summer... When this prayer hit different, that was the part that hit the most different. That reminder that, yes, things are broken. Yes, you look out and things, you see the evidence of darkness and sin. And yes, we have a savior. Yes, God's kingdom has already come and it will come in full. And I need to be regularly praying, Jesus, 
come. Come, Lord, come. It reminds us of where we stand on the soil that we are resting on. It reminds us that, no, you are not crazy. It is absolutely right that you feel in this moment overwhelmed, that you feel in this moment the weight of the brokenness and the ugliness that is in this world. Absolutely, because you need to know that you can't make it. You're not going to fix it in your strength and in your power. You are not going to make it right because you have the best ideas and the best hopes and the best plans. You, my daughter, need to be on your face. You, my daughter, need to remember to cry out to your Abba. You, my daughter, need to remember that you are in desperate need. This world is in desperate need of a savior. Do not take that for granted. If we are honest with ourselves, often we move through the world as though I'm so glad I got Jesus and hopefully so other people will get him too one day. I mean, (laughs) it's a reminder that we need a savior. And so our loving father, our Abba, who we are in relationship, the one who flung the stars in the sky cares about me when I pray that I can find a parking spot because that matters. (laughs) And that sounds absolutely insane to somebody, but it's real. And he cares about us when we cry out against gun violence in our community. And he reminds us that I hear you and I am moving and you don't need to try to force my hand. You can't. All you need to do is keep coming to me and talking to me and I'll start talking to you and you'll hear me and I'll form you and I'll shape you and I'll show you what you need to put your hands to and where you need to put your feet and I'll start to form the desires of your heart because that's the kind of relationship that we have. So this is what this prayer reminds us. Our God invites us to approach the throne of grace with boldness knowing that we're not approaching the throne of just a king, just a ruler, but of a king and a ruler who is our Abba. Pray with me. Hmm. The image that I have in my mind is of our God attuning his ear leaning down a little to hear us clearly. God, I thank you that that's the kind of God you are. That in your loving kindness, in your goodness, and in your faithfulness, you have desired your creation, your people, your children to be your children. (laughs) Not just subjects in your kingdom, not just tools in your hands, not instruments that you use as a means to an end, but as children, beloved children. I thank you that you invite us to talk to you, to walk with you, to sit with you. I thank you that though you cannot be contained, that though you are bigger than anything our minds can fathom, that you lovingly communicate to us, that you go out of your way to speak to us in ways that we can understand, that you go out of your way to reveal yourselves to us in ways that we can begin to comprehend. God, I thank you that that's the kind of God you are. Thank you. And I thank you that you have called us into that 
kind of relationship. And so, Lord, I do ask that you will regularly remind us, Holy Spirit, how to pray. That you will call us to times of prayer. That we will be a people who can't wait to talk to our Abba. And in those moments where doubt creeps up, where we feel like you are not listening because we don't feel you moving, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will remind us of what your truth is. That regardless of how we feel, you are always listening when we pray. Thank you, God. In the name of Jesus, amen.